He is coming again. He is coming again. Amen. Amen. There you go. Did you think I was just reading the title? All right. As we have seen in the previous two weeks, God is calling us all to walk worthy of our calling. Remembering, reminding us of the authority that we have as His ambassadors in the earth. And with today's first verse, He commands us all to be ready. Revelations 1.7 Behold, He is coming with clouds, and every eye will see Him, even they who pierced Him. And the book of Revelations introduces Jesus. We're brought back to this angelic promise. Do you remember that promise? When Jesus ascended into heaven after His resurrection from the dead? Do you recall that? It's in Acts 1.9. It says, after Jesus said these things, when He was there with the disciples, He rose from the dead and they met on the mountain and He, he said these things to them, gave them His final instructions. After Jesus said these things, He was caught up and as they looked on, and a cloud took Jesus out of their sight. See, when Jesus ascended into heaven, He left on a chariot of clouds to usher Him into paradise. And as the disciples just sat there and marveled at the event of what just happened, notice the promise that the angels made. Acts 1.10 While they were looking intently into the sky, as He was going, two men in white clothing suddenly stood beside them. Verse 11, who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken up into heaven, will return in just the same way as you have watched Him go into heaven. They resolutely declare that Jesus will come again on His chariot of clouds to come back for us, for all of us, and bring us all to heaven. Now understand that if Jesus reminds us that He's coming again, because we were already told that back in Acts, but if He has to remind us that He's coming again, we can conclude that there will be distractions and detractors and temptations that try to make us forget about His return. If you wonder why the world is as messed up as it is, it's people who have forgot that Jesus is coming back for us. You see, many will become preoccupied and forget what they are waiting for. For certainly, this has happened before. If you recall, the Israelites were asked to wait at the base of Mount Sinai while Moses went up with God on the top of the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights to receive the law from God. The people were asked to wait, to pray, to intercede. But they just couldn't wait. They got bored. They doubted. They gave into temptation to worship other things that they could see and touch and make sense of. Things that gave them immediate gratification. They chose to seek their own blessings instead of waiting for the blessings of God. They forgot what they were waiting for. They stopped keeping God's Word in their remembrance. And they forgot all that God had done in the past when He rescued them from the hands of Pharaoh, when He delivered them through the Red Sea, how quickly they forgot because God wasn't on their timing. We are all tempted at times to doubt God's timing. 
We are tempted to chase chase after the tangible things in life instead of holding on by faith to the eternal things. If we are not continuing in fellowship with one another, sharing our testimony, sharing what God is doing great things in our lives, if we are not sharing our praise reports and encouraging one another in the Lord, then any one of us can slip and fall from grace. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life when I'm going through difficult things and I'm beat down and I'm discouraged. And it's great to hear someone else give praises to God of how God is blessing them. I don't get jealous. I just It makes you feel good because we're all part of a family. Sharing testimonies, sharing praise reports, sharing how people see God moving in the world. We need one another. It is by no coincidence that any of us are here. God has brought each of us here by His will. We just responded to His invitation. We are the body of Christ. We are the family of God. We must keep reminding one another and daily choose to keep God in our remembrance. We must be ready for He is coming again. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 talks about this. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Verse 18, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That last line there is not just a tagline or a way to finish off a story. Comfort one another with these words. This is a command. Therefore, let's follow that command right now. When I say go, I want you to turn to someone beside you right now and tell them that Jesus is coming again. Go. All right. It was very quiet. So now we're going to take it up a notch. This time when I say go, I want you besides Rich and Ellen, who did a tremendous job in this, maybe just because of where they're sitting, but this time when I say go, I want you to get out of your seat, if you're able, and go and find someone who is not sitting by you and tell them with greater joy, like you mean it, because God's going to rescue you out of this world. Okay? So I want you to go find someone. And if someone can't get out of the seat, I want you to look around and notice somebody. And I want you to go tell someone with great joy that indeed Jesus is coming again. Go. Jesus is coming again. Amen. 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 Jesus is coming again. 
Amen. Indeed, Jesus is coming again. Amen. 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 This is not simply the way to end a verse. We are all commanded to comfort one another with these words. We are called to be ambassadors of joy, sharing the love of Jesus. Not just doing what we're told or following a command, but to share it with love and to share it with joy and excitement. How many are ready to be rescued out of this world? Amen? Amen! Jesus is coming again. It's what a family does. Is it, it, it comforts one another. It encourages one another. Now sometimes it takes a little effort. Sometimes we have to move out of our comfort zones. I know some of you thought, oh gosh, he's making us move. <laughs> that teacher's doing some stupid icebreaker. Listen, that's what we're called to do. We're called to share the good news. We're, share, we're called to comfort one another. We're called to encourage one another. We're the body of Christ. Sometimes we have to talk to others that we don't know. But let me give you a little clue. We're going to be living forever in eternity with one another. Why not get to know one, know one another now? Okay, That's why we do it. One of the gifts that this church has is the gift, and not all churches have it, but one of the things that this church has is the gift of fellowship and hospitality and encouraging one another. We have our food and fellowship. We do our different outreaches. Just spending time with one another. We're going to be living with each other forever. Let's get to know one another and share with joy. Therefore, I say to you again, Jesus is coming again. Amen? Amen. Amen. Back to Revelations 1-7. Behold, He is coming with clouds. And every eye will see Him, even they who pierced Him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of Him. Even so, Amen. Listen, there are many who have rejected Jesus through the years. There are still many who reject Him and still many who deny Him today. You know, there are crowds of people who shouted, crucify Him, Crowds of people who wanted Jesus to be killed. They pierced the Son of God. They killed the greatest gift ever given from God to mankind. And there are millions of people even today who still neglect this precious and holy gift. Who reject Him with their words. Who pierce Him over and over with their blatant sins and unrepentant hearts. And yet there's no escaping the absolute truth that Jesus is coming again. He is the only hope of the world. He's not just the best hope or a better hope. He is the only hope of this world. Regardless of what other religions may say or other religions created by the mind of man, there is only one true God. Regardless of all the ideas of man and false promises of all other religions, there is only one way to God the Father. We all must go through Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. No one can come to the Father except through Me. For Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. We have to go 
through Jesus, which means this, we have to accept His sacrifice because we cannot enter heaven on our own because we all have sinned, every one of us. We have to accept the sacrifice that He made, that He died for us. He died for the penalty of our sins. And when we appropriate that by faith, then we receive forgiveness from God. So now when God looks upon us, He sees the blood of Jesus which washes away our sins, and He does not see our sins. So now we can come into the presence of a perfect and holy God. He is coming again. And when He does, and He comes on the cloud, on that chariot of clouds, every eye will see Him. Those who rejected Him will mourn greatly when He comes because sadly they will see that they rejected their only means of salvation. That's why we share the Gospel. That's why we share it with others. That's why we put ourselves in uncomfortable places and step out of our comfort zone. Because really, if we love people and God loves people, then we would want to share this with everyone. We don't want anyone to miss this chariot call on the clouds. Many people will miss that boat. But we who choose to accept Him by confessing Him as our Lord and our Savior, when He comes on the clouds, we will rejoice. Jesus continues with this great revelation. Revelations 1.8 He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Says the Lord, who is and who was and is to come, says the Almighty. Listen, He is the Alpha and He is the Omega. The first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. He is the beginning and the end. The point here is that we must keep Him in our remembrance and continue to draw strength from Him until He comes again. Now we know that God created the earth and everything in it, the glory of the of God filled the earth, filled the whole universe. And we also know that God will reign forever on His throne in heaven's eternity, exemplifying the beginning, the end. But the challenge we have right now is how to live in the and. He is the beginning and the end. We know about the beginning. We believe by faith about the end. But now here we are all stuck in the and. We are living in the and. This can seem like a long time. It can seem like He has forgotten us at times. It can feel like He's nowhere in sight when we see how far society has fallen. You hear people out there, where's your God now? Look at society. Why didn't He stop that? Why didn't He take, why did He allow this ruler to come into power? Why did He allow this pandemic to walk, go across the earth? Where is your God? Has He forgotten about you? Those are the, those are the voices of the enemy speaking through people in the earth today. Because it can feel like He's forgotten us. It can feel like He's nowhere to be found. How immoral people have become. How dangerous this world has become. Yet the only way that we survive living in the and and holding the faith and is by keeping a godly focus and by continually reminding one another that Jesus indeed is coming again. I want to challenge you throughout the week when you get discouraged or just when you get a thought in your mind to give someone a call and say, Jesus is coming again. Maybe you get creative about it. I've done this before. I, have, I tell my friends to trade, trade cell phones. 
and set random uh, reminders or alarms on your phone. Not the middle of the night. Depends who you give your phone to. But set random alarms, and when that goes off, call someone and remind Jesus that is coming again. Or when it goes off, start praying for someone at that moment. But do it randomly and we, as we continue to build momentum to encourage one another, to comfort one another with these words. See, this is the first part of the Revelation. And we know all the book of Revelation, so much symbol and, and all the stuff that, that foretells what's going to happen. But at the very beginning, Jesus says, I know a lot's coming, but I want to give you something first. I want to give you something to hold on to, that you're going to comfort one another. That through all the stuff that's going to happen, just continue to hold on to the fact that Jesus indeed is coming again. It's the fuel that John needed to continue in the, on with the Lord as Jesus gave this revelation to John. It's the daily bread that we all need to satisfy the long, our longings and to still our hearts. It's what we need to persevere in life. Regardless of what challenges befall us and regardless of what persecution we face, we must remind ourselves again and again that Jesus is coming again. Revelations 1.9 I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Notice how John introduces himself. Not, hey, I'm the one that got the revelation. Not it at all. He said, I am your brother and I am your companion in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ. Listen, for some time now there's been a false gospel out there that says if you follow Jesus, that sounds like an infomercial, if you follow Jesus, He will bless your socks off. He'll make you rich. You'll live in abundance. And your life will be amazing. John does not pull any punches right here. He's straightforward and honest. He is with us in the tribulation. And He's with us in the challenges. He's with us in the persecution. And in the stripping away of everything that could bring us comfort for the world. See, many people think that if, I, that if they buy into slide, that if I follow Jesus, all my cares be gone. Some of you know that I'm a, a counselor uh, as well. And so several years ago, I was counseling a couple who were having issues. And uh, in the session, one of the, the wife uh, accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, and she asked God to forgive her sins and asked God to give her a new life. Great. Guess what happened next week? She found out her husband was having an affair on her. How was that God? I'll tell you how it's God. That eventually, after nine months of counseling, they got together and their marriage was stronger than ever. And if she didn't have God, she would have quit and, and walked away. Just because we come to, come to accept Jesus doesn't mean we're not going to go through trials and difficulties and temptations and seasons that are, are very dry. But because we have Jesus, we can hold on through the difficult times. Maybe you said it yourself, I don't know how anybody can survive in this world without Jesus. Have you ever said that or thought that before? Amen? We hold on to God. Not because we think we're not going to have a, a perfect free life, but because with Jesus... He brings us through everything that we face. John said, I am your companion 
in the tribulation. And sometimes God strips away everything from us that could bring us comfort in the world so that we can hear His voice. See, because John lives on the fuel of God's Word and on the rock-solid promises of Jesus Christ and on the daily bread given to him and all believers by the Holy Spirit, he encourages us to pursue the kingdom and receive God's patience. And I will tell you that John knows a thing or two about patience in tribulation. Some of you may know the story, but all of the disciples were persecuted. All of them were sentenced to die for their faith. Some were beheaded. Others were stabbed. Just because they wouldn't renounce Jesus' name. They would not stop telling people that Jesus is coming again. They would not stop telling people that Jesus is Lord. Some were stabbed. Some were crucified. They were going to crucify Peter and he said, I do not deserve to die in the same way that you crucified my Lord. So they turned him upside down. He was crucified upside down. Some were stoned. Some were cut in half. Some were burned at the stake. And though John was sentenced to die, his story was different. Tradition tells us that he was plunged into into boiling oil. But miraculously, he escaped unscathed. Thinking that he must be a god that they couldn't kill him, they decided to ban him on the island of Patmos so that he would suffer alone on his own. But how many of you know that we are never alone? We all have the Holy Spirit of truth to guide us. And on this island of Patmos, in his banishment, John receives the greatest revelation ever given to man, which becomes the final book of our Bible. It's not revelations. It's revelation. It's a revelation from God as God, as Jesus reveals truth to John to share with the rest of the world. Which means he survived that banishment and he was able to send that letter on so it could be in our Bible. Revelations 1.10. Revelation 1.10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, John's writing, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Throughout this revelation, this book of Revelation, we will see a common theme that John hears one thing and then turns around and sees another thing. As John was seeking the Lord and open to the Spirit to speak to him, he heard a loud voice as of a trumpet. John was getting his first directions from Jesus. So Jesus gives him that foundational fact, I'm coming again, and then he gives him directions. Revelation 1.11 The voice was saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. These were actual churches in Asia. So as we begin to study these letters to the churches, understand that the first interpretation was to those actual churches. And now we can extrapolate some revelation for us as well, but they were actual churches. John realizes now that this trial of being placed into a boiling oil, 
of being banished to an island was all part of God's plan to deliver truth not only to him but to the rest of the world. But God had to remove him from all distractions so that he could hear God's voice alone in his desperation. Sometimes God will allow each of us, every one of us, to go through great tribulation, to go through unfair events. It doesn't mean our God is not real. It doesn't mean our God is not for, has forgotten about us. It doesn't mean our God is nowhere in sight. Sometimes He allows us to go through unfair events and great persecution and challenges us so that our only choice is to trust Him. He wants us to get to the place of desperation where we're not seeking the world out of desperation, but we're seeking God. He wants us to cry out to Him. To be open to the Spirit of God to direct our next move. John heard all this from Jesus. But when he turned around, he saw something different than what he expected to see. Revelation 1.12 Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Verse 13 And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. Now we're going to talk about those lampstands as Jesus tells what it means, but now he sees Jesus, the Son of Man, in the middle of those golden lampstands. John gets a heavenly glimpse of Jesus standing among seven lampstands. And Jesus is dressed now in heavenly apparel. Verse 14, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. An amazing sight for John to behold. The power of his presence being right there in front of him in all heavenly apparel had to be incredible. His purity was white. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Verse 15. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And His voice was as of the sound of many waters. Here we get this great description of the Lord's feet. Okay, They were like brass, as if refined in a furnace. You know that gold and silver and brass and all precious metals could never be so strong and never be so pure and beautiful if they were not refined in a fiery furnace. To let all the impurities come to the top and be taken off and be refined. Certainly Jesus, who came in the likeness of man, who submitted to the limitations of human form, who succumbed to death even on a cross, certainly Jesus was perfected through the fiery trials through which He willingly walked. And now he stands after being refined, after going through the valley, after going through the tribulation, he stands ready to guide us now. Knowing that since he'd been through it, I can go through it with him. He stands ready to guide us, to show us the way since he walked the very trials that we now walk. He was tempted in all points as we are, and yet he never sinned. He never even complained. He was without sin. When life seems incredibly unfair, 
when confusion is at every turn. When there seems to be no one who understands the turmoils or challenges in your life, stop and allow your spirit and your mind to see what John saw. One who was refined like brass. Because he was walking through the fire. He is here now to lead you through whatever you are facing. When you are at your lowest or your most challenging point, turn to Him and let Him speak this promise directly to you. If you have to close your eyes and open your heart, you will hear the Son of God speak in this promise to you that He was with you and He will lead you through. In fact, if you have to close your eyes, listen. Because God wants to say this to you right now from Isaiah 43. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Listen, we must all take the time to stop and to hear His voice. He is the Lord our God, our ever-present help in our time of need. He is the Holy One, our personal Savior. He has redeemed us. He didn't throw us away. He took our life and He forgave us and He healed us. He starts to chip away. And He has redeemed us now for His purposes in the earth. We belong to Him. Hallelujah. Revelations 1.16. Revelation 1.16. He had in His right hand seven stars. And out of His mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And His countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Now we know from the Bible what that sharp two-edged sword is. That's the Word of God. It's described as a sword because it cuts to the truth. It convicts the heart and brings us closer to God for healing and strength if we allow it to. Some people don't get too personal with the Word of God and they don't interact with the Word of God because it cuts to our heart. But that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to cut away our flesh so that we can get closer to God. If it makes you uncomfortable, guess what? It's working. Do you remember a long time ago when you got called into the principal's office and you kind of had that little uneasy uneasy feeling? Well, maybe not, not all of you were a troubled student like I was. <laughs> but getting called in and just, even if it's, even if it's nothing wrong. Or you, or you see a policeman on the road and, uh-oh. I must be doing something wrong. No, you're not. You're doing fine. Just that, just that fear. But that's that's what the word of God does. It cuts to the heart. It gets rid of all the stuff that shouldn't be there. It should make you uncomfortable because what's happened is the is the the word of God is sent to kill your flesh, meaning your fleshly desires and your fleshly will. If it cuts that away, then you can become more like God, so that your spirit can live and grow. So thus he had a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. 
We must not be afraid to be cut to the heart, to be cleansed of our impurities, to be pruned by the Lord. For He knows what each of us need to become more like Him and to be ambassadors in this world today. Verse 17, And when I saw Him, I fell at His feet as dead. But He laid His right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last. Let us seek to understand this revelation, this picture of truth. See, so many people talk about, when I get to heaven, I'm going to run right up and hug Jesus. And I'm going to run right up and i got a bunch of questions I want to ask Him. And I'm going, to, I'm going to go and sing and I'm going to dance in front of Him. That's what we think. But the truth is that it will be the first time that we appear completely vulnerable in front of the holiest one in the universe. In all our past imperfection, we will stand face to face with the one who is perfect, who has never sinned in word or thought or deed. And yet we think we will run and just hug him and give him a high five and ask him all questions. Like Joshua and John and many before them who encountered the Lord, we will have no control but to fall to our feet in complete humility in His holy presence. But when we come to Him in humility and humble ourselves, Jesus will be the one to tell us not to fear. See, in some places that reverence and the awe of God has been taken away because we've taken it off ourselves. And some churches are, are no longer a reverent place. But Jesus said, let me be the one to take that fear off of you. Let me be the one to tell you not to be afraid. But it only happened because John humbled himself first. Because John revered him and gave him awe first and fell to his feet. And then Jesus said, do not be afraid. He is the one who will take away our fear and speak life to every part of our being, just as he did to John. Revelation 1.18 Jesus said, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen? And I have the keys of Hades and death. Do you know what Jesus was saying right there? This is Jesus' personal testimony. He was dead and now he lives. How many of you have a testimony like that? I bet you do. I bet you do. If we were dead in our sins and we couldn't bring about change on our own and, and, our, and we were following our will by the course of this life, we were dead in our sins and yet we came to Jesus and He forgave us of our sins and we received His grace which we did deserve but He gave it to us anyways and He forgave us and He redeemed us and He said, I love you where you're at but I'm, I'm going to continue to work on you. I'm not going to keep you where you're at and I'm going to bless you and cause you to live this world for me. So we once were dead and now we are alive forevermore. That's what we have in a testimony. We share how we were dead and hopeless, but now we are alive forevermore. That's what Jesus shared in His testimony. He was dead, and now He lives, alive forevermore. And the power of this truth is that the devil can no longer hold fear over others. For Jesus Christ has now fulfilled the law, satisfying the requirements of it by living a perfect life and dying for all of our sins. 
Therefore, Jesus alone now holds the keys to eternal life. And He gives these keys to all who trust in Him, who receive His Word by faith, and choose to personally accept His sacrifice for our sins. There is no greater testimony on heaven or on earth. And yet Jesus Christ speaks the same testimony to you personally. He has overcome death and hell and the grave. And today He stands before you, ready to give you the keys to this victory. But it won't be easy. We will be pulled in all directions. We will be tempted to quit. We'll be tempted to doubt. We'll be tempted to seek after tangible things and tempted to seek after the comfort of the world. We'll be tempted to think we got a long time. We'll be tempted to be pulled off course. Let us not forget who we are waiting for. Let us cling to Jesus, our hope and our strength and our song. For indeed, He is coming again.